Welcome, Jedi. We've been expecting you. You're listening to the Star Wars Exchange Podcast with your hosts, Mike and Ari. Your escape to that galaxy far, far away. Okay, shut that thing off and grab some seats. What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the final episode of the Star Wars Exchanges and or after show for the season one, at least. We've got another two years to wait for season two, but yeah, wow, crazy finale. Andor's just been a, a wild ride, but keen to get into it today with, of course, my co-host, Mike. How are you going today? I'm excited. Sweet. And um, <laughs> of course, welcoming him back to the show. Uh, he's uh, He's been a really good help for us this year. And wouldn't feel right finishing this uh, after show off without him. So, Parks, good to have you on. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm really good, Ari. Uh, thanks for having me on again. And uh, I am I am also excited. And I really debated, and I I think I messaged you like earlier, like like way earlier, like uh, about coming on as a character again, like I did for Kenobi. And <laughs> I want to tell you. I <laughs> Mike's that, face just. I was I was actually gonna say I'm glad that I did, I wasn't bamboozled this time, but here it's well, happened that you know think that could have happened again if you knew i was coming on and the thing the stream started like recording and you just didn't see me you would have known something was up so that yeah. was part of it and then i just couldn't think of a character good enough like you know i was gonna do cyril karn but i was like i don't mm. know like i don't know <laughs> yeah. i don't know if mike or ari will appreciate that as much as i will and then i just had some other wacky ideas but i realized to properly talk about Cassian Andor, you need you need Artor. So yeah, <laughs> exactly, yes, you do. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. glad to have you, and I'm glad that we actually get to sit down and and chat about Andor because you've been filling in my shoes um, yes. <laughs> sometimes this season. So I appreciated you coming yes. on, and and as we were talking on uh, before uh, we started recording. We haven't, you know, had a proper conversation since June, or we haven't, you haven't, you know, we haven't been on the podcast together since June. So I appreciate uh, just having this moment where we can tie Andor up and, um, uh, yeah, yes, just for talk, sure. talk about all the all the points and stuff like that. So Parks, thank you again, Artur. I mean, you're you're Absolutely. the star on Twitter, you're the star on um, on uh, Twitch, and you're the star of Halloween costumes. So well, I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm not really the star on Twitch. I don't stream there very often, but I appreciate you remembering the time, the stream I did with the Halloween costume. And I, I may be the star on Twitter, but um, I don't know if that's a good thing anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, get off Twitter. Yeah. I, I, there's some other apps people are going to, but I'm like, dude, like the goal was never to find a new app. The goal was just stop using this app. So like, I, I should. Yeah, right. I should probably, yeah. I'll get around that. But after after I stop tweeting out stuff that people keep, you know, trending. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry enough about me. <laughs> no, we love it. Um, But, yeah, let's let's just start talking about Andor because there's a lot to get through today. It was a very uh, chunky episode, a lot going on. I think it was either equal longest or the longest episode we've had so far, which was good. Um, didn't really tie up all the threads that i guess we thought it would but it it certainly delivered in a in a different way so parks what what's your overall thoughts on on this finale and and how it's wrapped up this pretty fantastic season of television uh i'll be i'll be completely honest when i first watched it 
obviously, I was moved by all the same stuff people were moved by. Um, but I, like you touched on, like the closure, that was something I was kind of going in, uh, unfortunately, like sort of expecting more closure on mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and so initially, I'll be to like totally honest. I loved Amdor up to this point, but after first viewing, I was a little disappointed because there wasn't a lot of closure on stuff and characters, and I didn't get to see, you know, Dedra die that you know villainous death. I didn't get to, mm -hmm. you know, see Cassian be this crazy hero for Ferex. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to see a lot of sort of that sort of awesome fist pumping stuff. In that sense, there was a lot of other stuff though that fulfilled that. But uh, then I rewatched it earlier, and I had, of course, the day to think about certain things in the show, and um, I've. I've completely sort of come around on my disappointment because I think this is a, this is a perfect finale. Um, there was just every line, every moment was purposeful and meaningful and deep and profound. Um, I mean, like you talk about like the sort of Kino Loy speech or the Luthan speech in um, uh, episode 10 being like some of the best speeches in star Wars, just great speeches in general. Well, Holy crap. Like, um, first off, sort of the, there's the small bit we hear from Nemec's manifesto was so truthful and so moving. And then Marva's speech, my God, man, just one of the best scenes in star Wars history, like straight yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Um, like that got a, like a, a visceral reaction out of me when I was watching it. And, um, I love that it, 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 it was so heavily tied to a lot of the themes at the core of Star Wars about community, about sacrifice, um, uh, while also being something that was very different, resisted sort of leaning on those same sort of beats of, you know, we have the big battle, we defeat the villain, then we have our celebration. Um, it, it, so it was unique, but also in touch with those ideas. And um, I just, I got to say, you know, of course, I've I've loved so many of the characters and loved so many of the journeys, but I I adore where Cassian Andor's journey has gone over the course of this show, and especially by this finale, um, the way it all comes full circle, you know, has like really makes me emotional, and um, I just yeah, I couldn't be happier that this show turned out the way it did, and obviously, I cannot wait to get into like sort of the specifics about certain moments throughout this episode. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was outstanding overall. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I agree with you on the closure part. I mean, it's it's weird because I just experienced this with the show that I've been talking about every episode on here, The Crown, where I was binging it and you get to the finale of, of season one and you get to episode eight and there's, there's, you know, it's like, that's how it ends. Like, there's no closure with yeah. it. And then the next season picks up right where the last season left off with uh, the same storylines and stuff. And I'm like, I'm glad I got to binge this, but like, imagine that, that I didn't, that it, I had to wait like a year or two for the next season to come out. And I'm like waiting for a closure because I'm like, this just felt like another ending to another episode. Right. Um, when we think of finale, um, I think that uh, because Clone Wars didn't give a squat about their finales until the later seasons, then they start making yeah. more of an impact. But Rebels, I mean, Spark of Rebellion, um, when that yeah. came out, I was like, this is the um, epitome of finales. This is exactly what a finale should be. 
Um, you mean Fire Across the Galaxy? Sorry, that one. Called? That one. Not what did I, I say? can't believe uh, Spark of Spark the Rebellion. Sorry, that's it's how the, it starts. It's the it's the <laughs> I, I told them it's the wine and the Tylenol that mixes and it it's not really good. But yes, I 100 <laughs> percent Fire Across really the Galaxy, Fire Across <laughs> the Galaxy, and then obviously Twilight of the Apprentice. And it's funny because when this episode started, I got um, zero hour feels, which is the season three finale to Rebels. Um, right when Thrawn is accompanied by Death Troopers uh, and he's departing from a Imperial shuttle and he's landing to talk with some of the Imperial authorities or uh, leaders on Lothal. And so I got like that fam- familiar feeling. So I was like, oh, we're, we're coming in. We're, you know, all the things are being that were being teased in, in trailers, like, you know, that that TIE shuttle and and more of the action sequences they're coming up so um but yeah i i totally get you with the closure i felt that at the end but then i remembered what i just experienced with the crown i was like wait maybe for season two they're gonna pick right where this leaves off but apparently there's gonna be a year in between um Mm -hmm. the events and i was like damn um that that's unfortunate because even when i finished the crown season two with matt smith and i claire four i think her name is those actors are no longer in the third season because then the the show takes a time jump. So I'm like, the yeah. last episode, again, for season two, didn't feel like a conclusion. It just felt like an end to another episode. So I got that here. So I, I guess I just experienced that where I'm like, sure, I, I'm upset about it a bit, but I'm like, okay, I just want to see what's next now. Um, the yeah. fact that we have to wait two years, though, I understand the process, you know. Yeah. The perfect yeah. pizza takes takes a bit more in the oven, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand, but I'm just like, oh man, that is it's, horrendous. It's, that it's is gonna horrendous. be a punishing. It's gonna yeah. be punishing. But I overall, this was a banger of a finale. The uh, that scene, I got absolute chills during Marva's um, speech. Um, and uh, seeing every like. Seeing all the storylines, except my Mothmas, come down to this, you know, this town, because you know, in in previous episodes we were like spending a majority on the prison or in the in the prison site. Then we would cut back to, um, uh, the what's the planet's name? Uh, tell me one more time. It's Ferrix. not Ferrix. I was gonna say Scarif. Don't you forget <laughs> it. Ferrix. <laughs> we go back to Ferrix, and I just feel like all the storylines with with Dedra. Cyril Karn, like everything is just brought together again, except Mon Mothma. Everything is brought together. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Luthen's there. Bell is there. Um, Cinta is there. So I thought everything was, um, you know, brought together really nicely. And I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like this show handled all those storylines really well, besides the Cyril Karn, um, which oh, we'll get man. into. But I, I thought that the, <laughs> I thought that we will I, get into it. We will, yeah. we will. But I thought that I'm saying uh, it because I I love that character. But yeah. Oh, oh that oh yeah, that's right. You want to cosplay <laughs> as him today? Um, <laughs> I don't love. Okay, not like that. Just <laughs> yeah. All right. We just gotta get you a, a dead. I don't stand but... him. I just think he's an <laughs> interesting character. <laughs> Understood. So, yeah. Uh, overall episode, I thought it was great. I thought it was worth the hype. And um, I'll go into a rant later about this, but I think media literacy is dead for all the people that keep saying, I think that Andor is a very slow show and I'll never get it. And I'm like, how unfortunate for you. 
But uh, yeah, Ari, what, yeah. Which, what are your overthoughts on the finale? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with a, bo- a lot of what both you guys just said. By the way, we are we have got Cassian keeping an eye on Parks down here after what Parks yeah. did to Mike earlier in the season, putting him in the trunk of his car. Yeah, <laughs> Parks, if you step out of line, Cassian is is uh. This is so interesting waiting. because Cassian's there waiting, and also Cassian's got Mike's back there in the background. You know, he's true. true. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Don't worry, Mike." Bit of world between I got him. worlds. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, this episode was really, really good. I, yeah, as you guys said, the two-year wait is going to be really, really harsh. I think maybe the COVID covid push like delays and stuff might have something to do with why it's going to be like that um but yeah anyway great episode i don't really have a lot to add because you guys really did cover it all well nicely but yeah i wish we did get to see some more closure some storylines wrap up more given the the strange structure season two is going to have or at least what it seems it's going to have is different just going to be so interesting to see how this all plays out but um i really did like everything i I hate to be one of those people, but this I was kind of thinking like, okay, it's a little bit curious how we've got kind of a, a pretty crowded cast, I feel like, and no one no one outside of, you know, some really minor characters died. And I'm not like, oh, well, this episode was bad because no one died. It was good. I just felt like they had a really good chance to get rid of Dedra, which I, Dedra is a good character. I've felt mixed feelings about her throughout the season, but... I've come to appreciate her, but I thought it would have been a great way for her to go, just getting trampled on by the citizens of Ferrix, something like we that. Came very close. We tasted yeah. it. And, and, we didn't and then, of it. course, um, Cyril the Simp just had to step in and <laughs> do his thing. But Cyril the Simp. I mean, seriously, that character is just something else, and and not in a good way. I'm gonna have to fight you later on at Parks because we'll <laughs> that see. Is I don't honestly... know if you win the fight. We'll see. Oh, I'm, I'm my... excited to give you my take yeah. on him it's just my biggest complaint about the show is Sarah Khan. but um no yeah. honestly it was fantastic that final scene was great with uh Luthan and Cassian I thought that was a really good way to wrap it up Cassian finally jumps on board after being um you know indecisive all season it took like his his mum's beautiful speech to get him on board um I loved the way Mon Mothma's story wrapped up I really felt so like just like broken for her in those final moments like I really felt her pain of you know what she was going through and you know uh we were talking about this earlier uh before we were recording but it was like the the whole mon mothma story is, is become really interesting because the first half of the season uh we got to see the the family sort of the dynamic and it's it wasn't good right and then now in the second half it almost feels like she's willing to sacrifice all that because she's she's thrown parent under the bus and now it seems she's throwing her daughter under the bus so obviously it's complicated but we're seeing um, the less, you know, angel side of Mon Mothma that we all know from yeah. the original trilogy. So, Sacrifices. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, let's start. Let's start going through the episode. I guess I don't even know where to start. It was all sort of just thrown in. Let, let, let's talk about the Mon Mothma thing because that was toward the beginning of the episode. Um, she uh, is pretty much. Uh, and Park said earlier. I, I don't know what your take on this was, Mike. But when that scene was happening. Uh, I made the mistake as well as Parks of being really confused about what was going on in terms of not realizing that Mon was doing all, all of this on purpose. Um, but she was, which is extremely smart. And it just shows that uh, it links back to what she said earlier in the season of like, um, 
uh what was it something along the lines of i know they're watching i want them to watch me or something like that because yes yeah, yeah. it's all a ruse so yeah what what do you guys yeah. think of this yeah i didn't um at first i was like bro do they i thought i was waiting for the to see where the conversation was going to go to then judge you know what my mothma thought because i'm like she better not be talking about the banking funds that she's been doing or the banky banking maneuvers that she's been doing um you know so i was like because the guy's listening but uh then eventually when i heard what she was talking about and she um discussed with him like to make it to throw parent under the bus about the banking stuff i was like oh shoot she's tricking the driver i was like okay i got you so again like i don't uh, with the closure thing i feel like yeah, I'm like I I would have appreciated a lot more of the bigger concepts, like us getting like closure on it. But I feel like it really tied up these little knots and uh, storylines that we've been having uh, throughout the season, like these loose ends where it's like uh, what Ari just said about she mentioning like they're watching me, um, and it's like yeah, it just came full circle here. So um, yeah, I absolutely I I had chills during the scene and. My favorite planet, uh, Cantobite, was given a shout out. So always love when that happens. So is that sarcasm um, or genuine? Oh, uh, oh, that's for the viewer to decide. Man, yeah. I thought you guys love no. Star Wars. No. Yeah. So, oh, but I thought I thought that whole scene was uh, really good, and I'm like, as soon as we got that um, that close up shot of Mon Mothma is sitting in the car, I was like, oh yeah, we're just gonna get we're eating with her. So yeah, that was a that was a beautiful scene for me. Definitely. Pox, yeah. what did you think of all the deception? Yeah, I mean, like you pointed out, um, totally missed it first viewing. There's just so many great scenes in this episode. And sometimes like you're so fixated on what just happened in the previous scene that you just kind of mm. don't clock what's going on in the scene right in front of you on the TV. And um, yeah, on that's on definitely on second viewing. Like, yeah, it was the deception that I was like, oh, okay. You know, she's you know, trying to throw off the ISB off of her, pulling all this money out of the bank because they think it's coming from uh, Perrin and not her. And I was like, man, like that's so genius. And you expect nothing, you expect nothing less clever from Mon Mothma. But the truth of this is, is like, you know, she is making a whole lot of sacrifice here. Yeah, she has troubles with mm. her husband. Yes, you know, her daughter is falling into this line of tradition she doesn't agree with, but that's, you know, that's her, that's still her husband. That's still her daughter. And it's, it's so interesting because I feel like we're on Ferrix. We get a very optimistic sort of outlook on rebellion. Mon Mothma's sort of turn here very much reminds me of Luthen in a way, because, you know, at least from what we have seen of Luthen so far in the series, especially when he's talking to the ISB guy about Anto Krieger and, being well being willing to sacrifice you know his operation to not give the ISB a hint of what he's doing um is sort of this this sort of dark type of sacrifice where you know you're you're willing to to give up part of your soul for something bigger than yourself to succeed which is not necessarily you know like in the morality tale, tale of Star Wars how you fight matters more than you know the the fight itself um it, it, it's it's almost troubling and i i it makes me really like it definitely completes this bon mothma storyline for the season um but it also it makes me very intrigued for how we're gonna see her next season because you know she'll have moved this money the rebellion should definitely be benefiting from it 
but where's her headspace at at that point you know is 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 like this the sort of um in the same way luthan talks about making his mind a sunless place is mon motham making her mind a sunless place you know and is she going to be dealing with that and she's going to have to pull from that and um does she get her wings back as the angel of the rebellion so to speak you know um Mm. that's how i interpreted a lot of it and obviously the sacrifice wasn't easy for her as we saw for last episode how worked up over um everything goat was going on was but yeah Yeah. and i i just love the way that bit where she's basically handing over her daughter is 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 filmed Mm. because they're walking with her and she's center frame and then it just cuts to the door opening and and there's the the son of uh the other banker turning around and you're like man like i like a few episodes ago she she was like no out of my face i don't want this but now it's like Mm. it's a reality you know it's it's so sad but um yeah the despite being disconnected from the rest of the show i have to say like mon mothma's storyline was really well handled in this series and it, it uh um it's it's um definitely fills out like that question of like you know the rebellion is two things it's both people willing to fight and then it's the resources to fight with and this is the resources this is mon mothma raising the money for them yeah for sure and i think yeah you touched on as well that that final scene i think i mean me and mike have talked talked about it quite a bit over the last few weeks of discussing whether or not she's going to go through with something like this and i can't i think there was at one point where we made predictions and i think we both said she wouldn't i can't i can't entirely remember but i i'm i'm a little bit like shocked that it's come to this point for her but at the same time i think the writing has done such a good job of uh helping us as the audience really understand why that decision has been made you know and you know it's not it's no certainty that uh, her daughter is going to be married to the thug's son or whatever it is. I think it's highly likely, but you know, there's still no yeah. guarantees. So I wonder how she's going to play that in terms of, is she going to be like, well, I introduced her, but you know, she's not interested or how she's going to go about that. But Mike, what do you think of, of that, that final scene with Mon Mothma? Uh, heartbreaking for sure. Um, I mean, I wanted to see what, I mean, we know what happens, but it's like, I, I really wanted to see what happened next. And I thought that was such a dramatic effect that we didn't get to see, but we know how much it was going to crush her and how much yeah. it was crushing her in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Because I thought we had that beautiful scene a couple episodes ago where she was just crying. Um, and I didn't see her taking this path, but then I did. Like, it, it, I think, yeah, I voted no. That I'm like, no, nah, she's not going to go through with it. But it was pretty chilling to see her go through with it at the end um and yeah it's just as as we're talking about how dirty um uh, you know these rebel leaders that we thought were so clean and everything how dirty they're willing to get their hands um to keep people's other people's hands clean and and for them to do all the dirty work so then they can you know make a make a statement make a movement and fight for a better tomorrow so I'm like, yeah, I absolutely love it because it's absolutely realistic. Um, I love Rogue One so much because I feel like it's such a realistic version um, of the Rebel Alliance. You know, it's not all like, oh, we're the good guys and that's the end of story. We're going to plan and attack. That's all the Rebel Alliance in the original trilogy is. But in Rogue One, we get this really um, up-close look at, like, you know, behind They're the a curtains. organization. Exactly. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's it's what it is. 
Um, so I'm glad I'm glad that we even get to see Mon Mothma dabble in, in that front a lot too. So heartbreaking, yes, but dramatic AF, yes, and I'm here for it. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's let's go back to Ferrix now because I think something I wanted to talk about really quickly was um i mind you character names are still not on top of but these are minor characters so hopefully i can be forgiven for this but um the so the guy who's uh who's been hanged his son throws the the bomb obviously we see him making it at the start of the episode something that i'm a little frustrated with the show about is i feel like a lot of big moments are happening off screen for example i i so i actually rewatched the whole series this week and um i was uh, a moment that stood out to me was when we're told that the guy is going to be hung or that the Imperial officer wants to hang him, but then we never see it on pack. screen. Yeah, yeah. Right. Pack. He, we, we never see that on screen. And, and this episode I was running, like, are they going to do that? This episode? Like, why did we never see that? It's kind of just, it's like, Oh no, they, they just did it off screen. And then, you know, same with the Marva death that, that one I understood a bit more, but um, I was that, that had me a little annoyed, but that's uh, irrelevant. But, um uh that that kid's arc throughout this whole episode was uh interesting and unexpected but also i think i, I don't know who's playing the, that guy but that was just a really good performance and i think we say that about yeah. a lot of the acting in this show but i think when he was 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 marching with all the other you know citizens of ferrix i just man talk about like feeling feeling their pain like i felt it for everyone but I thought I that character just really stood out to me this episode. Um but I yeah, and I love uh, I just want to add real yeah. quick. I just yep. I love with that actor and with that performance. I love, you know, because a lot of this episode and a lot of Star Wars really is about that battle of hope and fear and mm -hmm. how, you know, they hung his father and he's now trying to do something that's gonna help, you know, stick up to these people that hung his father you can see like how afraid he is throughout the entire episode. He knows what he's doing is, 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 you know, going to, uh, as Luthen would say, put a stick in the eye of the empire, but, mm. um, it's not easy. And, and especially that he's, you know, apparently a boy, like there's just a lot of youthfulness to that. And a lot of like relatability to just a character that virtually has no dialogue yet is having this really personal battle of, of, you know, do I, let the fear, my fear of these guys control what I do next, or do I, you know, do something different? It's, it's, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, let's, let's go to Ferrix. I guess I don't even know where to start because there's just so much going on. So much. Um, I guess Cassie, Cassian's back and I was unsure of like, what, what is he even going to be doing here? I guess, you know, he was here for Marvel, but then he has that that conversation with oh man i'm forgetting characters again I, i'm telling you i knew i after rewatching it i felt like i had a good grasp of the names but i guess not um brasso <laughs> i think that's his name brasso. brasso yeah um anyway that was a nice conversation and uh one of you might be able to answer this for me why uh, is the when marva was sick and she went out and they said that they found her opening some gate for someone to go under the imperial headquarters was that where they were hanging out this episode i don't know if it was under the headquarters but they were definitely in the sewers so that yeah, right. could be yeah because just so, based on know. the geography of what we see from cassian i don't know if he ever goes underneath the headquarters yeah though maybe he does because 
that's I I'm trying to think how he gets to it's kind of blurry because they're cutting between so many things, but I'm trying to remember how he gets to Bix. So maybe it does actually. Yeah. I just remember Bix saying like, oh, she was she wanted to open the 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 door so the rebellion could sneak in under or something like that. And I was wondering yeah, if was they were trying to tie that in. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um yeah, let I, I don't even know where to start. Let's just talk about the the march. Mike, tell us about that. That we've got a marching band in Star Wars. It's very unfamiliar, but man, something that I think we're gonna I look mean, back on and enjoy. it reminded me of a sadder version of um <laughs> of the marching band that we see at the end of Phantom Menace. So I was like, well, this is sad. It's not True. the same energy. <laughs> uh, but different energies for sure. <laughs> but I I mean I when it was happening, I couldn't. I, I was like, this is not going to end well because uh, the way the Imperials were trying to uh, hold them off and, and scatter their forces to, you know, so they don't go off perimeter or go, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what their plan was with that. But I thought that that was interesting. I'm like, oh, a lot of people are not going to like this. But it, it just it just reminded me of that slow build up music that ends up going like havoc. And that's exactly what kind of happened. Um and I mean, it was just chilling to see while that's going on every like it's just this calm procession that starts out first. And in the background, you have all our characters that we've been following all season long scrambling to to like, OK, now that the procession started now, we got to get to the building where Andor's at or Luthen's being like, we have to get there first. So it's just like this. I love that I kept cutting between this chaos going on in the background with all the characters that we're following and then this slow procession that was supposed to be calm and whatever. Um, but that ultimate lead up to Marva's um, speech. I mean, I was like, I was getting tensed up. I was like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Uh, the back of my mind was like, oh, shoot, this, is this where we listen to Ezra's broadcast broadcast from Lothal? <laughs> uh, but I was like, no, that would the be The Rebels very... crossover, finally. <laughs> yeah. That would be very out of touch for the show. So I was like, I hope yeah. they actually don't do that. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I really hope they keep it in-house with something uh, familiar to us that they've been building up. And we get that beautiful speech from Arba. And mm. um, as, as Ari mentioned, the guy at the beginning was building that bomb and uh, just what a, I mean, for real, what a uh, beautiful, chilling sequence, exhilarating sequence. I was like, yeah, like it felt to me the energy of uh, Poe Dameron with the X-Wings coming down on Taco Donna and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, shooting down the First Order. I had that type of energy where I was like, yeah, because all season long we've experienced this brutality from these uh from these forces and we've just seen how nasty they can get and how um i mean in the third episode reckoning of of the series i think it was where they start just banging all the the metal or anything they can to alert Mm. that the the forces are coming and you had the guy at the top of the bell tower just striking that thing chilling chilling so overall what a great sequence uh like i said that slow build-up i kept checking actually i I was actually i don't have it with me but obviously because i'm in a different room but i kept grabbing my uh roku i'm not roku fire stick remote and i was like how much time is left how much time is left because i was like it was just it was a long drawn out march down like that i had i didn't have an issue with i'm like what's gonna happen like i'm kind of like on the edge of my seat of when it's just gonna hit the fan you know and when it did it did and um it was it was just exhilarating and, and all that and um 
yeah, it was just like, oh man, it was it was just great. And seeing Brasso at, at the um, head of that and and take charge, I was like, yeah, I just love how everything came together there. Yeah, for sure. And what was I gonna say? I'm just completely brain pooped here. Um, oh, with, with Brasso, with the probably my favorite moment of the episode is when he has Marva's brick and he hits one of the troopers with it. I was like, oh, so hard. She That's she would have loved that. And when Dedra um, was getting dragged through the dirt, I was like, drag her, drag her, beat yeah, her up. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my, that was, t- I'm telling you, these people are horrible people that I was rooting yeah. for them to get hurt. I was like, drag yeah. her, punch her, someone strike her. Like, no, it, it, Parks, you can relate to this. It was the same energy of, um, you know, Grievous Intrigue episode or season two episode, I don't know, but it came out New Year's. And I remember watching that on New yes. Year's Day. Me too. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> and I remember um, watching the episode, and when when Commander Cody and the other two clones jump on Grievous, and they one of them lands a punch to his face. I was, do you remember that moment? I do. From Grievous I don't know about that moment in particular. I remember a bit towards the end where like the bridge between the two ships has collapsed, and Grievous mm-hmm. looks like he's about to fall out into space. And I remember watching it with my mom, and she's you know wasn't super versed on like the prequels at the time and she was like is grievous gonna die is he gonna die and i'm like <laughs> yes I, sadly i don't think so but <laughs> but it, i mean you should probably, it right now you should probably take that clone wars poster down from your background until you rewatch the series uh because you're not a true clone wars fan you should probably take that down Parks. i'm rewatching it right now mike wow. I don't oh know really do that but yeah i know we'll, you've we'll ta- been rewatching it yeah but, we'll yeah. talk about that after i didn't know that but um okay dude yeah. i like had this moment where it was Man, like trying to tell of- me i should take that down <laughs> as if i didn't make the three best videos about the show on youtube <laughs> that's true i'll give you me. that come on okay, get out of here you, you've earned you've earned the right to frame it <laughs> um but but seriously, like I had that same energy where it was the clones landing a punch to Grievous's face. I was like, yeah, yeah, punch him. So it was that same energy when they were all punching Dedra and she was looking frantic as ever. So yeah, same energy yeah. there. And I think as well, I uh, to add to what Mike's saying, I I feel like I can't remember a moment in Star Wars where like I've just rooted so much for for you know I guess the heroes to defeat the the villains you know i was uh, had that that same feeling of yeah like just go get him go get him and when the guy like jumped on the back of the stormtrooper and was like i don't know if he was trying to choke him or what he was trying to do i just yeah it was extremely emotional but also what you said about ezra's message mike when earlier in the day uh before the episode came out we it came out that there was a post-credit scene and you know i definitely didn't let my (laughs) expectations get get high at all but i was like what if what if Ezra, his message is broadcast and Cassian hears it, and that's why he—I oh, don't even know. But um, no, alternate <laughs> universe where Tony Gilroy is a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, the, we'll talk about the press credit scene later. But um, yeah, uh, this was much better way to get Cassian on board with the rebellion was, of course, through his his mother with Marva because that speech was something else. The 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 slow build up to her saying fight the empire or something like that, I thought was fantastic because obviously we all know what she's talking about, but it just really nicely built and yeah, so well written. And I also, it, it's just such a common trend in this show to, to call the empire bastards. Like in the third episode, Lucan's like, don't you want to fight these bastards for real? And Marva has been saying, I don't know. I just found that funny, but uh, Parks, yeah. what did you think of, of Marva's speech? Um, if I may kind of backtrack from that a little bit first, like sure. some, yeah. so, so um, I love that. Um, like you, you mentioned earlier with 
uh, Cassian uh, meeting Brasso in like the sewers underground. Um, I love the sort of what he relays to her him about what Marva said um, before she passed away about that it's not his fault. Um, and and a lot of this is so telling about how well Marva knows Cassian. Of course, she she should. You know, she's she's her his surrogate mother. Um, but that he's she says, uh, don't blame yourself. And I mean, I feel like in that it's implied like she recognizes how much Cassian maybe blames himself for for uh, what happened to Clem. And I love that she says, um, tell him that I love him more than anything he could do wrong. And that mm. is such a powerful sentiment because that is that is unconditional love, you know, and that like that type of unconditional love can be redeeming and it's redeeming in the same way, almost the exact same way of Luke, you know, sort of throwing away his lightsaber and return to the Jedi and saying, I'm not going to kill my father. You know, I'll never turn to the dark side. A moment that is embellic of him saying, no matter who my father is, I'm not going to fight him. I love him. I don't care what he's done wrong. I love him more than anything he could do wrong. So I love that. And I love that, you know, there's so many little moments in the show that you can say inspire Cassian, um, even despite him not necessarily appreciating it when it's given, not necessarily appreciating the sacrifices of others when they're given. But I love how the feeling that of how that all culminates here in this episode, um, especially with, I don't know if we were going to talk about it, but Nemec's manifesto. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just want to touch on that then yeah 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 being such a great like uh you know and uh sort of thing for him and obviously there's a lot of truth in that like the um yeah what is it uh tyranny takes effort freedom is like yeah. effortless or something or it's natural um yeah and uh just you know that uh there's also that brief flashback when he first arrives with uh clem and yeah you know, yeah, they, yeah. there's a lot. I just want to add real quick. There's a lot of like tech jargon in this show or, or just like technical <laughs> parts that are like, oh, that's a car part or whatever. The the yeah. thing that he's cleaning with Cassian, I believe, is a heat sink that you put over a processor and a computer because I've built a computer before. And I'm like, hey, I know what that <laughs> is. So I was like, hey, I recognize one of the, the props they've reused over nice. all the things in the show. Um, but he says... Um, People don't look down where they should. And then the man who sees all is more blessed than cursed. And where is Cassian throughout most of this, this band march? He's up in the tower, seeing everything, you know, seeing everything going down. And the other line, very poignant from um, Nemec's manifesto is, um, you know, after all the sort of the, the, the leaks have given way from the tyranny and the, the oppression, uh, one single thing will break the siege. And I love that you they have that that great hero shot where Cassian's like standing in the doorway and he's got the silhouette. Um, and that's the line that's playing. And and that right there, you know, for me going into this episode, wanting sort of a, I guess, a power fantasy where Cassian Andor is going to be in the street shooting dudes and, and you know, kicking ass, um, you know, he that's not his role his role is to be the thing that breaks the siege um to be the guy that slips through the cracks of all this chaos that's happening and uh man is is that is that chaos just a wonderful awesome thing 
um the the sort of thing that the the song that they're playing as they're marching down i should add you know i'm i'm very keen on on music and i've been listening to the soundtrack for the show as well and um the the theme they're playing initially in the band march is uh marva's theme that we hear uh non-diegetically in previous episodes but now we hear it mm-hmm. diegetically in the world which i was like oh that's kind of cool like um you know that that her theme makes it and, and in a way when you watch those previous scenes and you remember that scene it's foreshadowing for this so it's it's just so well done um and yeah her speech is great that whole sentiment about how the dead lift us up you know she talks about previous you know phyrexians who've been turned into you know the the funeral bricks um and how they've inspired her and she sees an opportunity to do that it connects to what we see with um the kid building the bomb at the beginning of the episode with the hologram of his dad there the dead lift us up um Mm. and and being such a powerful idea of of legacy as well that you know after you've sacrificed yourself another star wars idea um you know your 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 sort of your sacrifice can inspire other people in a hopeful way um so that so despite gilroy not being a big star wars fan there are like so many core star wars things being yeah so heavily tapped into here and it's so beautiful and yeah man like that bit where she tells everyone to fight the empire your blood starts boiling and then yeah. that dude comes out in the street and he pushes b2 emo over and and then you know yeah. what the people of Ferrix do? They do the same exact thing we would all do if we were in that situation, and that's we would punch yeah. the Empire in the face. <laughs> and uh, Dedra, that's so it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and Dedra. Well, for sure. it's ex- me and Parks are talking before the show. It's like the equivalent of of that officer flipping B two is like if someone came out and like kicked a dog or something. Like you just don't do that. Like Evil. that's just gonna incite anger. But um, I, yeah. really quickly, shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez that's grim um but uh to touch on what you said with nemic's manifesto was um you said uh so, so he says in the manifesto something like freedom is effortless or something like that yeah and that ties in really well uh to marva's character because in an earlier episode she's saying that um i'm already free in my head they can't touch me because something like that and i thought oh, yeah that was just yeah. a great link there but also the manifesto was such a good like uh i felt like a calm before the storm moment and i felt yes. like it just it really uh helped pace the episode in a in a really nice way um but yeah exactly i guess uh mike do you have any anything you want to say to all that i wish uh that the brick that they turned marva into was thrown at dedra's face that's all i gotta say <laughs> that would have been that, that would have been true. the the yeah. the chef's kiss moment of the episode yeah. Definitely. i wanted to add something else real quick sure. um you know again like i i you know i'm very keen on paying attention to some of the technical stuff especially like the editing um the way they the people they were cutting between during marva's speech um and really the build-up to it too um i love how purposeful so much of it like feels that certain lines are playing over certain characters um and i love how many layers there are to because all the characters that we followed over the season are there in the scene you know uh, except for mon mothma are listening to this speech and we're cutting between them 
this this speech has so many layers because you get to understand how so many characters are interpreting it. Like, take for instance, um, Mosk, who's the guy that goes there with uh, Cyril Karn. You know, is is very gung ho about seemingly gung ho about taking down Cassian. You know, if he shows up, but then by the end of the episode, the dude is on the street drinking. Um, <laughs> and and the the big the big takeaway there for me, I thought, was like. You know, this guy has been so like distraught about what he heard from from Marva, the mother of the the man they've been hunting down. That he's going, man, what am I doing? Like, this is a mistake. Um, that's how I took it anyway. That yes. it's like broken him in a way, and I and that Luthen being there too, because you know, as 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 we uh, talked about, or as I mentioned a little bit earlier with Mon Mothma, like you know, him being sort of this person who's willing to make these 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 dark sacrifices of the soul for this thing that's bigger than himself here's where he's seeing like maybe i don't have to do that you know and mm. um maybe that he's been doing some of this wrong and and it's mm -hmm. it's it's so powerful and also i love the idea that you know though she has had problems with the empire since we've met her um she didn't truly become a rebel until after the Aldani heist inspired her. So in mm -hmm. a way, Cassian inspired this to happen, to inspire the people of Ferrix to, wow. to fight back. Yeah. That is powerful. And and again, just feeds into to Cassian's arc even more about, you know, how just how far like someone's actions can go. Just powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I just have to add, even you bring up Luthen, I thought uh the amazing shot i mean i was kind of mad at him because i was like bro you're doing all this work to start a movement and to start fighting against these bastards and that's my first time saying that on this podcast but <laughs> it's like why are you standing back and just watching you know i mean i get you know he's probably having a moment but yeah. i was mad because i'm like get in there fight yeah. don't you want to fight these bastards well, for real he Go told he told Saul last episode that he's a coward so maybe yes that's him just being a coward it because, comes full I mean, circle. It, yeah, it's just yeah. that that could definitely be the case. I was just mad. I was like, "Bro, no, I'm with doing, you. Yeah, yeah, you're doing all this work, and you're just sitting back now because it's like he even said, "I will never live to see the day when you know that his whole monologue in in that uh, one episode. Yeah. I forgot what episode yeah. it was, but um, that whole monologue that he's not going to live around to see, you know, the empire fallen or whatever, and it's like." Bruh, if you just help out, you could just save even yeah. save this world. It just starts with one world, and yeah. he was just standing there taking it all in. I was like, come on, Luthen. But I think um uh it was kind of marvelous just seeing also him doing all this work too, and then just seeing how it actually plays out and stuff that we actually got to see him uh witness all that. And I was like, Yeah, because usually like with the Aldani stuff, he was he was on Coruscant when that stuff was happening. He's like, Yes, it happened, yes, when yeah. he got the news. But now he yeah. was actually seeing a revolution startup like that and it was that was yeah. pretty cool too definitely i think and the really sorry you go first uh i i, <laughs> I was just gonna say like just with <laughs> luthan like he i don't know i, I it, while it would have been so cool to see him like get involved i think man this episode just and not this this whole series and just uh star wars in general specifically i feel like rebels and actually not clone wars a lot as well a big theme is like it's not how it's it's about choosing when to fight like knowing the right moment to fight and also how you choose to fight is like what's like the yeah. most important thing right and i yeah. think we saw with with not only with luther and he just didn't fight because uh 
for whatever reason. Um, but then like you look at someone like um, Sinta who she, she didn't really do anything during the riots. I don't know if she uh, was listening to the speech. I can't remember any specific shots of her, but she was, she went and around and tried to kill someone, you know, like she's fighting because she hates the empire and obviously they all hate the empire, yeah. but it's like, she's not, uh, you know, to cut to the last Jedi, she's not uh, fighting to save people she loves because she's neglecting um vel but she's fighting to kill what she hates so just thought that was interesting but yeah it's so it's so interesting that the most heroic characters in this episode you know aside from cassian are none of like the rebels we've met you know yeah. like yeah it's the it's people you know right mm -hmm. um and like it's it's so great because like you know that's that's who this message matters for the most is like average people. And, and again, with Nemec's manifesto early in the episode, you know, he's, he says about how, um, Oh, I wrote it down. Where is it? Oh, uh, whole armies have no idea. They've already enlisted to the cause, you know, across yeah, the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing like um, that we're seeing here. So it's, and, and, and another line during Marva's speech. I mean, like I said, every line purposeful um oh, where is it it's um i have so many things written down <laughs> see <laughs> she 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 says about um oh yeah the the empire is a disease that thrives in in darkness and mm. um that's so interesting because you look at the way luthan's been running the rebellion and you look at how a lot of these characters' mindsets, where they're at, like Sinta, you know, fighting for revenge, that type of thing. Um, it, it kind of illuminates the idea a little bit that, yeah, like you said, how they fight matters. And this is that sort of conflict between, you know, fighting for the right reasons and the wrong reasons that we're going to see all the way into Rogue One. Um, mm. You know, that there's there's this side of the rebellion that is fighting this battle in the darkness and it could consume them but then the people of ferric show that there is a way to do this that is uplifting and inspiring and hopeful and and yeah. you know empowers the idea of community which is yeah. you know what it's all about is giving back to your community you know yeah. so um more so than destroying the enemy uh and which is again a great thing about casting this episode that you know he's not he's not a gung-ho action hero it's not a power fantasy where he kills everybody it's it's yeah. he rescues Bix. He goes uh, and saves so what he loves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the point we're sort of up to in all this is the riots are sort of started. There's so many powerful moments. Everyone's, you know, feeling so much adrenaline, I guess, in terms of the audience, like watching, at least that's how I felt. Um, but yeah. I guess the most notable thing to happen, at least for me, in, in it was Dedro's getting trampled and then next second, uh, Simpy Cyril uh steps into play <laughs> mike mike what did you think of all this um because i know we both feel a certain way about cyril khan it was it was certain. funny because um when that was all happening um i was watching with friends and one of them unmuted like it was not in person so it was on video whatever so they unmuted and they just shouted out um like this is so vile and i just in that moment <laughs> i was getting like baby throw up in my in my throat i was like what is this? Because it was just this tension between them, this attraction. And I was like, I think I, the most two vile people on this show, I mean, just, I, I still have a headache from all that. 
um it was disgusting honestly like i was just disgusted by all of it and as parks takes a drink out of his water because uh, you know just you got washed no. you got washed that you know that, that yeah, back up in the there but um literally it I was said, so oh, gross myself <laughs> it was it was so gross um if they i was on the verge of like i don't want to be dramatic or anything but like if they were gonna kiss like i would have to pause the show or yeah. even <laughs> and be like i'm what is going on now so they, this show really knows how to excite you um you know through uh just dialogue no action um they know how to suspend you and same with dialogue and mm. they also know how to make you want to just punch up and throw up at the same time with you know the the, the acquaintance <laughs> of two vile people so just visualizing yeah. that yeah it was uh <laughs> yeah, it was pretty disgusting i think about now it makes my stomach kind of upset and i'm not being oh, dramatic at all that was just literally gross <laughs> just, i so yeah i just think like from the moment that the kid threw the bomb and then like the next shot is Sarah like running toward Deja. I was like, Oh, you're kidding me. Like you're really not going to go down this path. I thought he was going to like jump on the bomb and sacrifice himself, which I would have been very pleased with if he did that, but still would have been a weird moment. But character I think we yeah, got to see the- this man in season two. I'm out. I'm in. I'm in. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. The the reveal that he was the one that took Dedra away was oh god. I I don't think I felt as strongly as you did, Mike, but I definitely had it it felt the same way I felt in the cinema watching Rise of Skywalker when Ray and Kylo were like sitting there, or Ben, I should say, were like sitting next to each other. And I was like, please don't kiss, please don't kiss. And then thankfully it didn't happen this time, but oh man, that was um Mm, yeah that was distasteful but parks tell tell us your take okay i think you guys are i understand like obviously you know uh dedra is one of the (laughs) you know biggest villains one of the just we hate dedra you know she's a fantastic villain so well written so well done uh you know not a fan of her Obviously, all that is a credit to how they've written her and how they've they've done the character. Um, Cyril Karn, creepy guy. You know, he's he's had some creepy stuff with her. Mike, you got to give me a chance here. <laughs> I see you. I'm just, I'm just like, oh, man. you need to be Pondering. careful what you're going to say, because, you know, there's a there's another show coming out and you, we might we may or may not invite you back. So just be careful with your answer. <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, all right. Man. All right. <laughs> I, so, it, can I can I talk about Sawakarn, like the character itself, for for like, uh, and I'm I apologize, I'm about to push the length of the podcast just a bit. No, it's all right. Go for it. Okay. So, and and first off, let me just say this: like, no matter what purpose the character has, or or a theme has, or any part of the show has, like, despite it, if you're not enjoying it, that's totally valid. Like, that is complete valid. If you guys felt disgusted valid that being said (laughs) this show is about a lot of things it's about revolution it's about rebellion it's about how people get radicalized into a cause that's bigger than themselves that's what a lot of cassian's character represents is how do we you know looking at this character how does someone get swept up into how does someone who believes in nothing who's directionless get swept up into something so much bigger than themselves that they're willing to lay down their life for it that's the goal of cassian's character Cyril Karn is showing us almost the opposite journey, where is what makes someone, uh, what makes fascism an appealing concept to the average person? So when we meet Cyril Karn, he's working for the Primor Authority. He's a cop, right? 
his whole view of that is not that like, you know, I, I have to serve the empire. His whole view is I have to do justice. That's a big part of those first few episodes is I have to, you know, make this murder answer for the death of these two people. He's all about justice. When we, when we see his interactions with his mom and Coruscant, he's all about order. It's the reason he's so good at his job. There's that, there's that little shot in the one episode where, you know, she pours more, more, more cereal in his bowl and the one pebble falls out and he puts it back in. That's, that's his character there in a nutshell. He loves order. And so, of course, the Empire would be a very appealing thing to him. However, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a full-on believer in the Empire. The thing is, and this is, this is so important because he, like, he is like the dark mirror reflection of Cassian Andor. Cassian has a, a loving mother who has done her best to support him, who has given him opportunities, who's encouraged him, who's put hope in him, who said, I believe in you. And even beyond the grave is doing things, making sacrifices that will inspire him to do good things. He, she loves him unconditionally. Sarah Karn's mom loves him conditionally, conditionally. There's that whole bit in the few episodes back where she is like, he's like talking to her about his promote or she's harping on him about something. And then she, he says, I got a promotion and her attitude completely flips. And she goes, oh, I always knew you could do it. Like conditional love, toxic, uh, uh, emotionally abusive, even like it's not good. And what kind of effect does that have on the average person when they grow up and they're raised by someone who, you know, does not give that to them being that star Wars is about family. What happens when someone raises up, grows up with someone with that as their sort of role model, their mentor figure, you end up looking in real, the real life for agency and authority that you did not have in your house for respect that you did not have in your house. And that's Cyril Karn's character is that's why he loves order. That's why the empire and someone like Dedra is so attractive to him because they represent what he's looking for. They represent the authority that he's looking for the power that an agency that he doesn't have in his own home. And he is a dangerous lesson in how people become fascists in real life and why it happens in real life and why you have lawmakers in our country and people around the world who grow up and turn into to, to dictators or grow up and take people's laws away because all they're in for is the power and authority that comes with it. That being said, all that being said, what I love about that moment with Dedra is that we cut to Cyril Karn a few times during Marva's speech. And you have to imagine he's hearing all this and maybe he's processing all of it. And his mission when he came here was to find Cassie. And of course, he has a thing for Dedra, but I think that's more so the person at this point. I personally felt when he had that bit where, um, you know, he rescued Dedra and had her against the wall. And she says, um, I should thank you. And he says, you don't have to. I'm thinking what I what I interpreted that scene as is that for the first time maybe ever there's a bit of ambiguity in Cyril's brain about what he's supporting. There's a bit of cognitive dissonance. He's rescued Dedra because he cares about the person. But after hearing Marva's speech, you know, when he says you don't have to thank me and he he realizes maybe he's just helped this 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 dictator, this awful person, you know, in support of this bad cause, maybe going maybe maybe I'm not doing the right thing. You know, maybe that, maybe I have it all wrong. Maybe the empire is not this good cause. Now, of course, ambiguity, we'll see where that goes next season, but that was sort of my knee jerk takeaway from that. And I love that because it shows that this character might change and it shows a path where 
despite someone's path to fascism, that there is there is a possibility that something powerful enough as Marva's speech and the hope that that can instill can inspire someone to turn away from that path. That's my piece on Cyril Karn. So th- I that's why I really like the character and why I find him really interesting. I, I applaud you. I really do. That was a really good. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not, no sarcasm involved. Like I, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to. Um, uh, before I did this podcast, one of the things that I wanted to do was do uh, more. Um, uh, I don't know, like just solo podcast where it's like a podcast on the history of Star Wars, a podcast on, and not like maybe it's a limited run, you know, like four episodes yeah. detailing, you know, I, I want to do stuff like that because I love audio editing. And while mm-hmm. you were talking, just popped up in my mind. I was like, you know what we should do with Parks? I was like, I would love to sit down with you and plan out like a, maybe like the psychology of Darth Vader or something. And you give the whole round <laughs> rundown with <laughs> cognitive dissonance and all that stuff. Like I'm here for it. Like I can totally produce it and stuff and we could get you up on a mic and we can we can totally do that i like that that was your Just takeaway to everything i said was you know what parks let's let's we're going to show biz together come on uh, look no but i i do think um that, that definitely made me look at uh Cyril Karn in a different way never thought he'd get much, this much talk on a podcast but here we are <laughs> Uh, but I really he's a, think he's that he's such a unique character for Star Wars. Like, there's I think no denying that you definitely made me think back onto the episodes where he had like little to no impact for me, and realize that it was a ripple effect. So I really now want to go back and watch episodes with him, even if it's just him and his mommy uh, eating cereal. Like, there when you <laughs> talked about like he likes order and he like one you know cereal fell out of the bowl and he like put it back says a lot. So it's like now I want to go back and like indulge myself in those scenes because they you know see how they all lead up to his this um ambiguity ambigu- case of ambiguity right at the end so it's like yeah i definitely yeah thank you for saying that you you know <laughs> me and ari just talk all the nonsense that we want and then we get someone like you that's <laughs> a, a bit more official and and says things before you know you just think what you say you know and i think you always bring facts here to our opinions so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Parks. Love having you on board. We're we're renewing your contract. Check your email. (laughs) You should be coming out for more episodes of the Stars and Shit. Yeah, just check your emails after this uh, this show. But uh, um, no, uh, I am I I see everything you're saying, and I agree with it. All good points. However, I'm still not not sold on the character just because I'm like he's taking up screen time in a valuable show that I, I. you know those uh when i was re-watching the series those uh like i understand everything you're saying and everything you're saying is correct and he is a unique character which i think is great and you know i'm with you but i'm also just like but why in this show like why in this show like i i get it like he's yeah he's that mirror image of of cassian but in a different light but it's just like i'm still just not with it i don't think what this show needed was for dedra to get trampled on and then him to come and save the, like, i don't think that was needed for the show but we'll wait for season two we'll wait for yeah, season we'll, two we'll, yeah exactly exactly there's more more to say yeah i mean we don't have the whole vision yet flipped. i i mean i could not be happier that kyle solar the actor playing style Karn, is going to keep playing the character and you yeah. are getting because i i just i love all the characters in this show and yeah. again to be clear like you know i'm doing i don't stan cyril karn i don't stand dedra i just i as someone who writes has done some short films and and spends a lot of time studying characters and themes and stuff like 
I feel like the way personally, I, the way I feel they've been tying the story has been so purposeful. And I really respect that. And again, if you don't that, feel that, valid. that it's is valid. valid. Yeah. Valid <laughs> is the word. Uh, everyone, everyone here is valid. That's the takeaway. Um, We're but all valid guys. <laughs> No, but uh, let's let's finish off the the episode. So obviously, Cassian saves Bix, which is great. Um, and then, not fully, uh, didn't fully understand this, but like it seems like I don't know if this was the plan, but it seems like everyone in the main cast was like, "Well, if you're if you've had more than ten minutes of screen time in the show, then you're invited to our getaway ship for when when uh when the riot ends or something." Because it seems like all the main characters, or not the main characters, but all the notable characters, seem characters, to yeah. yeah get away nicely which Cassian doesn't go with them um and then yeah we get to the end of the episode and he's he's given Luthen the the ultimatum it you can kill me or you can uh or you can take me and let me join you um I saw honestly it took me a minute to take me and I was like just turn you over to the empire like I was so confused I thought that like two seconds to for me to process that I was like oh okay um but I thought that was a great ultimatum but um one thing I don't entirely love about it is I I don't know if Cassian was approaching this uh, discussion like knowing that Luthen would be like, oh yeah, of course we'll take you in. Because I'm like, in that saying that, it kind of feels like Cassian was like, well, they're not going to stop hunting me. Or at least, you know, that must have been what he was thinking. So I'm just going to go either end it now or it, the only other way to for him to not kill me is for me to join him. So it makes me feel a little bit like Cassian was manipulated into joining the rebellion. But at the same time, I, I'm like, yeah, okay. His, I'm sure his, his mother's speech completely inspired him and all that and inspired Luthen to, I guess, um, be less, uh, not secretive, but just, I don't know if harsh is the right word, but like n- he doesn't have to go out and kill Cassian after all this, you know? Like, yes, keeping your secret is important, but, you know, as we say, it's how you choose to fight that matters and stuff. So I think it uplifted Luthen and obviously yeah cassian is gonna be he, he's officially a part of the rebellion now which i think Are is, sure i think Luthen awesome. kills in there i think that was the implication of that scene. true that, that little grin grin on his face was like oh yeah all right <laughs> you're gone <laughs> but no yeah i think this was this was uh all in all though end of the day a great way to uh put cassian into the rebellion which yeah i love what what, what were your guys takes on this i feel like uh, my crazy prediction last week, which almost came true, was that casting kills Luthen. And I was mm. like, wait, I just shot that into the dark. Like, I didn't expect, you know. <laughs> he came that, very close. I came very close. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, I, I just, that was a random prediction. But I kind of hope, I was rooting for that to happen. And I also <laughs> don't, I, I feel like. Oh, man, my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my prediction didn't come true. But I felt like, yeah. uh, obviously, we still have to see season two and how it unfolds. Um, unfolds but. I was just like, I don't see a future for Luthen right now. Uh, I feel like um, I do, but then I don't. I feel like we, I, I really want to focus on the other characters um, because maybe this is a different podcast, but uh, some of my expectations for season two, I'm excited, but I'm a bit scared because it's only one season left. And we had two more seasons. I'd be like, you know, we have lots of time to have around, but you know, we have one season left and they still got bringing K2SO in where they're going to be building up the rebel or rebellion or rebel alliance like we're gonna be on gavin four and i still want it to be the smaller scale story that they're doing and i feel like it just it's Mm. gonna change the entire vibe of the show so i'm like i don't know how luthan's gonna fit in all that so i was kind of hoping that uh casting would kill him kind of like han beckett style and then he takes off Uh, on his ship and and goes on his merry way and, and maybe he wants to, uh, you know, meet with one of Luthen's contacts or he goes to Saul Guerrero somehow. I don't because I feel like 
I think what Ari was saying, some of the more big <laughs> important stuff of the show happens off screen. I was like, well, the guys going to do yeah. something. They find something out that, um, that we don't know. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just thought that in that moment, I was like, oh man, I really think he's going to kill him. And then that's where it ends. And I'm like, all right, I'm still in, I'm still in. So yeah. I'm, I really like Luthen a lot though. So, um, yeah. I thought that he was going to be a boring, dry character. And the minute he put on that wig and he was just like <laughs> playing a different role, I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I, I'm, you got, you piqued my interest. So yes. Yeah. Uh, how about you Parks? How, how'd you feel about the whole ordeal? Uh, I want to touch on the um, the bit you mentioned, Nari, the having everyone on the ship there before he leaves. Yeah, um, yeah. I love this. It's a it's a beautiful full circle moment. I almost said the f word there. I was getting very passionate. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's go with the hat trick of f bombs. No, yeah. um, <laughs> no, no. Um, while he has everyone on the ship, Beck says, "Like casting will find us, right?" And the music is building and building, and she goes you'll find us right and then it stops and then he goes i'll find you and that that moment really hit on rewatch because i thought of something in between first watch and second watch which is the very first scene of the show is him looking for his sister and you talk about this this conversation about stars being about family um you know in the beginning he's looking for a family he most likely doesn't have anymore he's trying to reclaim pretty much anything he has from his past, whatever of it remains, um, instead of looking in the present and instead of looking to the future. And ultimately it's, it's, you know, it's what Marva tells him, I think around episode seven, like, you know, everyone on Canary died a, uh, a, a while ago. Um, you know, of course, I think there were two ways they could have taken that in the show. It could have been a misdirect and then it turns out there was more about his sister and Canary, but the, the, I guess the, the more sort of deeply fulfilling thing here is that in a sense, Cassian has, uh, in a very similar sense to Ezra, I feel like, uh, found a found family, you know, mm. and mm. one that he can, one that he will be able to find again, you know, unlike this thing from his past that doesn't, isn't around anymore. So I thought that was a really beautiful moment. Um, that, that, that core idea of found family that I just love in Star Wars. I do wish we got a little bit more with some of the characters in there. Uh, Brasso, we've gotten a great amount with him. I feel good about that. Of course, same with Bix. But um, the kid who built the bomb being one of the characters I wish we had a little bit more time with for that moment. And then also, um, I believe her name's Jezzy. She's the one daughter of Ferrix member that's on the ship as well. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, being that Brasso, yeah. Bix, yeah. and B2Emo are there. I was like, yes, like this is your family, like, um, yeah. just really powerful. Um, and then the bit Definitely. with Luthen at the end um, threw me off on first viewing because I was like, man, like that's not how this ends, right? Like, uh, and just hitting, yeah. seeing that cut to black and seeing the credits, when I tell you, was devastating knowing that the show was over uh, <laughs> and that we're going to be two years till the next episode. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. The way I interpreted that moment was, you know, Cassian has reached a point now where, you know, he, he is willing to lay down his life for this cause that's bigger than him. He's had his journey, you know, at the start of the season, he was very selfish, kept yeah. to himself, was very guided by his trauma. Didn't really have a purpose other than that. Um, but, you know, through all these sacrifices he's seen, you know, from uh, the Aldani heist to 
um, from uh, Kino Loy in the prison and, and leading that outbreak and mm-hmm. all the people he's met and all these people who, despite what he said about himself, people like Luthen saying, I believe in you. You know, I believe there's there's a hero in you, uh, an opportunity to do some some good in you that Cassian in this moment accepts something, ex- accepts his fate. You know, if Luthen kills him, then Cassian, if, if Luthen decides to kill Cassian, Cassian tells himself, you know, Luthen is the guy running this rebellion. If he kills me, I trust his reasoning to do so. It's for the good of the rebellion. If he takes me in, I trust his reasoning to do so because he'll also see that as the good of the rebellion. So giving him that choice is, is a moment of trust. It's a moment of unity that Luthen hasn't really been able to achieve with many of these other characters. And it's the moment Cassian becomes the answer to Luthen's problems, which is what I love so much about that little laugh that he gives right before the end. I I love when I was watching it, when he does that, I did a little laugh, like sort of instinctively, like, I don't know, something was just vibing with me about that. And that, you know, when, when, Luthen says we need heroes in the rebellion in his speech to the ISB officer a few episodes ago Cassian is now that hero you know he is he is the hero the rebellion finally needs and has um and being that where this leaves off like I don't know I'm just in love with it because it's it's like yeah this is a new chapter for the rebellion not just because of what's happened on Ferex but because you know Luthen has someone like Cassian underboard he knows you know what kind of person this thing is capable of carving out of someone um that if if that if if someone that selfish and self-centered can can go on this journey complete that luthan has had no awareness of since aldani and come back like a completely changed person is powerful like Mm. i've used that word so much but it's just like man like i just i'm i'm just infatuated with the character beats and and how they've done that and I love I, I love the sort of final shot with uh, Diego Luna's sort of performance there. He's like staring at Luthen and then he does a little sigh and keeps staring. It's almost like the suspense is killing him of what he's going to do. Um, man, just God, I, I love that. Probably just probably one of my favorite endings to anything in Star Wars, like that final scenes to anything in Star Wars, maybe like second only to the um, Ahsoka walks away from the Jedi Temple in Clone Wars. Just like, oh, yeah really really powerful for me personally yeah yeah no i'm with you great great points and that makes me feel a lot better about what i was saying before about feeling like cassian got manipulated in it it is great points he did finally go from yeah that that selfish sort of um persona and then now he's prepared to give it all up for for the greater good but yeah i'm i'm so glad luthan's gonna live uh that yeah season two is gonna be really interesting but I, i'm so curious to see how it's going to be as we've said many times it's such a shame that we're gonna have to wait so long but yeah you know, it, it'll it'll come eventually but um yeah that's that's the episode of course there was the post credit scene i my interpretation of this was i don't think it it means anything for the show because i don't think the show is going to touch on the death star it doesn't seem like cassian has much mm-hmm. of an understanding of the death star until rogue one but i still think it was a fantastic uh scene because I, yes I, for me personally i was like I, I was pretty sure those parts were for the Jester. I mean, like, what are they using? What else could that have possibly been for? So I was like, okay, makes sense. Loved that. But I just thought it was kind of like, yeah, look at this. And yeah, the Empire is still, it, even though, you know, it looks like the people are starting to stand up, like the the biggest 
the terror of the galaxy is still being built and it's being built by things are escalating you know, Cassian, yeah Cassian so yeah what would Mike what do you interpret that post credit scene as I I love that it felt like it was I didn't feel like it was gonna you know tease the Death Star as well or like tease that that was going yeah. to be a central plot point of season two but I just felt like it was a um wink wink to us being like oh you know we because we spent that grueling episode of of the uh, the first episode um, where they were casting goes to prison and he, they're building that. And it's like on a, on a routine, you know, we see their whole routine build and I'm like, what's the point of all this? And, you know, on, on the podcast, yeah. I was like, uh, you know, what's so eerie is that we don't know where this thing is going. Mm. Um, I'm like, is it going to a star destroyer? Is it going to the death star? Like what's going on? And <laughs> the fact that it's like, they answered that question because they knew, I mean, you saw like Star Wars Explain make a whole video about it. I didn't personally watch it because I didn't, I just like, I don't, I like, like to speculate myself. So I didn't watch it, but I saw he made a video on it. I've seen other people make a video about it. Like, what is this part for? And when that happened, I just started like, I was like chills again because I was like, oh man, you guys are, that is dirty because this is, Cassian is building this part that ultimately kills him, right? So it's like, wow, you guys, uh, Tony Gilroy and his brother, like that was insane. And I love that it wasn't like, oh, oh my God, K2SO, he's coming off fresh off, (laughs) you know? Oh my God, Ezra Bridger. Oh my God. Like it's nothing like that. Hey, come on, Ezra would have been sick. Let's not lie. It would have been cool. Yeah. No, no, no. It would have been totally complete fan service. I love yeah. that this felt like a classic Easter egg that we used to get before the MCU. I feel like this is something that I would finish a movie and let the DVD go on. And then it would be like a, like a funny gag moment or, and that's what I thought this was, but it was an evil gag yeah, moment. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. like we used to <laughs> always get those before, but <laughs> so now true. we get these Easter eggs that have to set up a, 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 a you know, a future MCU movie or a future star Wars movie. Now it's like, can we just like chill out with them? Or I thought I thought the creative one it was in Mandalorian season two with the book of Boba Fett announcement. That was a really cool um, post credit cool. scene. That was like yeah. a crazy announcement. But here I this can't wait just... for that show to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? This is, that's oh man, that takes me back. Did you come on for that? I, I did you come on? Yeah, for I was on for that. You did. You did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I thought this was a great. Um. Just yeah, I thought this was a great horrible joke for all of us i thought it was a really dark joke so yeah what about you pox what do you think uh the death star is like now the most evil thing of all time because like not only is it like a thing that kills planets (laughs) like it is it is also built on the backs of what has most certainly been like trillions upon trillions upon trillions of slave labor like Mm -hmm. that is the most evil thing of all time right there floating in space um yeah yeah and all the ways that this show builds into uh rogue one and makes not just Cassian's character more interesting but makes all the themes more impactful um it makes the threat they're going up against even more impactful knowing what it took to build it uh the cruelty that goes into it yeah just pure evil and i and i also there was like an aha moment but also like a like you said like a like a evil aha moment where it was <laughs> like um that that sort you know the andor logo every time we see it it starts with that planet being uncovered now i'm like yeah. oh the exact way it's framed it's framed like the death star yeah god dang yeah. like this oh yeah. man tony gilroy what are you doing yep um yeah great uh, just yeah gut punch to wait uh, to end it but 
I would probably yeah. wouldn't have it any other way with this show. So definitely, nope. yeah, and yeah, that that is the finale right there. I mean, what a what a journey it's been. Uh, thank you to both of you for for sitting along the ride. Obviously, Mike, awesome co-host as always, and Parks filling in here and there has been so good. Um, but before we do wrap up, let's uh, we've done this for every episode. Give give your rating for for this episode, but then let's give. I want, I want to keep this as short as possible, but give like I'm a so rating for, for, no, 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 no. <laughs> keep the rating for, for like the whole season and, and maybe like one sentence to like just describe it and, and your thoughts. So we'll start with you, Parks. Um, this episode, I'll go, I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, solid. Not, uh, yeah, loved it. Uh, for all the thoughts that we just mentioned over the course of this podcast. Uh, yeah. As for the whole show, I mean, this this show has been inspiring, impactful, uh, you know, told by, you know, very talented, creative people who genuinely have something to say, possibly about the world we live in today, but more so about a universal thing throughout time. Uh, the fight against oppression, um, you know, told soulfully from start to finish with great characters. Every line has been purposeful. Every shot moment. I've, I've loved all of it. Uh, this is my kind of star Wars and I would just love to see so much more of it, but more than anything else, I'd love to see star Wars that is told uh, with the same purpose to tell a story as this one. So um, for me, a show like this is more than the sum of its parts in the end, how I feel by the end. Uh, This is a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 leaning towards the 10 out of a 10, because when I come to think of it, there's not many things I would change about this show. I, I adored it from start to finish. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? This episode, I'd probably give a 9.5 out of 10. And for the overall Andor series, I would give a 9 out of 10. I just, I love that this is another, um, this is actually a very different flavor than what we're used to in Star Wars. And I absolutely loved it. I think, you know, after the Kenobi finale, I was like, oh, I and I rewatched it um, a bit after I watched the, if the first time I rewatched it. And I just had such a, I think, even though I, I wasn't very fond of that series, I think every series, like, I think in, it just, every series brings a different um, flavor to my mouth. And last time with Kenobi, that finale was emotional for me. And I, I cried during a, a part of it just because I was able to relate to a personal uh, aspect in my life. And I just remember like lifting up my shirt and crying in it um, at the end. And, and, and that, ending moved me but here i didn't i didn't really have an emotional response with the andor series and that's okay uh i had more of a like a thrilling edge of my seat like when they said political thriller i mean that's exactly what it was you know and and whenever yeah. we would get to the mon mothma stuff i was just like yes we're gonna eat good tonight and then whenever <laughs> we went back to um whatever they were doing on adani i was like yes we're gonna eat good tonight and then when we got to the prison stuff and they did what i just like I'd be sitting there watching, um, you know, shows um, such as The Crown or Succession and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there and there's like no action. It's just you're on the edge of your seat because of dialogue. And they did a whole episode of that where it's nobody's listening, no action. You were just moved, enthralled, um, exhilarated just by dialogue. And I thought that's they really showed their hand at how masterful artists and, and um a masterful chefs in the kitchen if you will that they are and i'm like i just want i just finished its pizza i want another one 
Um, so I just really absolutely love this series. Coming so I'm gonna have to give it two years. Nine out of ten. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit more, but like I said, it's it's yeah. well done. You never it's want cooking. your pizza coming out to looking like white AF. So you just yeah. you want it done just right. So um, I'm I'm gonna be okay with that, but um, I am gonna miss the series. And it's been a even though I wasn't on for every episode, it's been a fun run. Twelve weeks of uh, well, not really twelve weeks because the they dropped weeks. the. 10 weeks of Andor, and it's yeah. taking us up all the way to the Thanksgiving holiday for us Americans. <laughs> so I'm like, thank you for uh, carrying me through the college semester. I appreciate you, Thanks. Andor. And shout out to Diego Luna, my Mexican uh, compadre here. Uh, that This has been a most excellent thing. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, you. Um, it's been I have, I have most... down here. You have him up there. Yeah, or, I do have him God, behind me. But it's just <laughs> been absolutely amazing uh, to have someone that looks like me on behind a poster and then also leading his own star wars series and doing all these interviews and i'm like man i just absolutely would have loved this i mean i love it now but as a kid i just would have been like oh my god that's that's me right there so uh absolutely love diego luna and all the energy that he brings to it and the whole cast and crew as well because i love uh all i think they're all talented and i'm just like this is the first star wars series that i'm like i'm just all in like i i left the finale and i'm like i want to go watch you again and again and i want to watch the whole series again so Andor, uh we bid you farewell um for a little bit but uh yeah that's that's my spiel ari how about you yeah. how do you how do you uh what's your retrospect here yeah i mean once again <laughs> very very i can't add a lot from what you guys have said because i'm in agreement with uh both of you but yeah the, this episode is a nine out of ten it's would have uh the reason i wouldn't give it a 10 is just maybe would have liked a bit more closure and and cyril can't to not exist but um and then the series in general i would say yeah the series is a nine out of ten it's probably my favorite star wars live action show we've got the only one that i think i would think is better is the mandalorian but those two are pretty close and they're just so different and i think that's what i love about the show so much and that's a great yeah yeah is that it is so different and yeah as we were talking about it's just it's a new flavor in the mouth which is really fun and exciting and I think uh, for me personally, there was uh, some growing pains with the show just because I, it took me a while for my head to adjust to this new sort of flavor of Star Wars. But once I did adjust, it, it's been so fun. Rewatching this series over the week has been an absolute blast and has solidified how, how good I, I really think it is. And there's been so many good moments. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything more to say about it besides it's been fantastic and season two really can't come soon enough. But Thank you so much once again um, to, to both of you, Mike, sitting along um, for you know the whole journey, um, and then Parks filling in uh, where it was needed. So it's been uh, yeah, it's been this is one of my favorite things about about Star Wars shows is, is you know getting to do the Instagram and the podcast and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's been a hell of a ride, and looking forward to doing it all again when season two swings around. But yeah, that that is us done for the day, done for Andor. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube, like the video, all that stuff. Find Mike on Instagram at all underscore Star Wars. Parks at Artor on YouTube. He's got Twitter, Parks Harmon, all that. Uh, you guys know where it is. Links are in the description. Um, did you want to say something real quick? Yep. Go yes, it. I'm releasing a new video next week, and that doesn't happen yeah, often, so yeah, tune yeah. in. It's on Mass Effect 3. Yes. Watch it. Watch Mass it. Effect. This is a Mass Effect show. I don't know if you guys caught it. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Dang, well, go go support our, our boy audience. Parks next week um but yeah obviously find me at star wars underscore exchange follow the podcast page at the sw exchange on instagram 
Uh, any final words, Mike, before we wrap up the, the show? Nope. Um, yeah, just thank you all for also being on this journey with us, and um, we look forward to more adventures. Absolutely. That's it. So we'll see you all next time. May the force be with you. Catch you later. Bye-bye.